Welcome to the WCIA 3 and 1 podcast after Illinois falls to Purdue in two overtimes, 96 to 88. Illinois falls to 13 and 4, 6 and 1 in league play. Andy Olson alongside I'm Brett Barons as we are breaking down the first loss in Big Ten play for the Illini, Andy. And what a game it was. We were both at State Farm Center this afternoon. This morning is when the game started. A unique time of an 11 a.m. tip-off, a nationally televised broadcast on MLK Day. And I expected a high-level game, Andy, and I leave thinking both Purdue and Illinois are really, really dang good. I, the way that we were hyping this up, it felt like there's no way the game could have lived up to it right? our expectations yeah. right and it really did and, and it didn't look like that for long because as soon as uh, uh kofi coburn got into some foul trouble you're like okay you know purdue's gonna looks like they're gonna run away with this and they were up by as much as i think it was 13 13 yeah the first half yeah and illinois late first half late like just first a, half too yeah less than a minute to go before the, the break and they were up 13 yeah because coburn not just in the second half had foul trouble in the first half yeah. as well he got two in the first half it wasn't until later and he only missed a few minutes but then early in the second half he got his third and fourth fouls in really close succession which you know, forced Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk to really step up and play some really important minutes. And I'm sure we're going to get into his game and, you know, how big uh, he showed out. But I know that Illinois fans are not going to be happy with the result. But from a neutral perspective, what a fun game to watch. And I'm sure Illinois, some Illinois fans will feel that way, too, because just as you said, this was two high-powered programs going out up against each other. And even with the loss, I think Illinois probably should move up in the rankings after the game today from 17 where they were announced uh, at noon at. But, I mean, I didn't think there was any way this game was going to be this good. And then it ends up being this good and just a crazy game. And it gets me kind of excited to see where this team goes from here and what they take from it. Yeah, and it was a, a top 20 matchup as Purdue moved up to four in the AP rankings that were released, like you said, right at the start of the game time. And I don't leave just holistically here to start out. This game, thinking, you know, Illinois is that much worse for it. I mean, yes, yeah. they took an L, but it wasn't like they played that poorly at times, especially with Kofi Coburn on the bench. Only played 22 minutes in this game with that foul trouble, and we'll get into that. And and the refs certainly, the uh, <laughs> Alana Nation, not happy with all the calls. You know, the fouls overall, you know, weren't that much of a discrepancy, 22 to 14. Um, so. Or uh, 15 to 23, I'm sorry. So Illinois called for 23 whistles and uh, Purdue called for 15. So, yeah, you know, you want to get maybe a little bit more of a home court advantage on those calls if if you're an Illini fan, maybe what you would expect in the Big Ten. Uh, but, like, they, okay, so there's a discrepancy of eight. It's not like there was a sure. 12 or 15 foul discrepancy there. I don't think that's really that awful in, in a sense. I was really interested to hear Matt Painter's perspective because, of yeah. course, it's always going to be skewed uh, in your team's favor. His exact quote was, they were fouling us every time down the court. We were probably fouling them every time down the court. Yeah. So it was really interesting to hear, you know, to them just how physical they thought the game was. And clearly everyone thought the same, including the refs, because there were quite a few fouls called. Yeah, I, I don't, like, come away from that. Like, oh, it was terrible. Like, the no, refs weren't no, no. great, but, it, you know. It didn't I, affect I, I, the game, I don't think. I think Purdue was probably the better team at points, especially the way Zach Eady and Travion Williams were playing. Those two were just so, so good. Yeah. And I think that those two probably put the Boilers ahead of the Illini. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't that big of a discrepancy between the two. Illinois hung right there, and if they had won this game, I 
would have thought they put themselves in the positions to win it, and they did. They weren't that far off Purdue. Yeah, and, and all things considered, like you say, being down 13 and, and the fact that Kofi only plays 20 minutes in this double overtime game, so, f- you know, 50 minutes, and he's on the bench for, you know, 28 of those. Like, man, that's that's a long time for Kofi to be sitting, and, and we want to talk about that. But just overall, Andy, I don't leave all that discouraged, uh, you know, f- for a line of nation here in a sense of, Okay, you hung with the number four team in the nation. I mean, yeah. Purdue's got some studs. You know, they got twin towers there with Travion Williams and Zach Eady, and and you throw in Jaden Ivey in there, and we can't forget Sasha Stefanovic and what he was able to do. Only three points in the first half, and then throws up uh, nineteen in the second. Like, I, I just, I feel like they got so many weapons, and that Illinois is not that far off. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, you forced them to two overtimes, and and you had chances there at the end, despite all of those things. It gets me excited for the rematch here in about three weeks in West Lafayette. I cannot wait for that because uh, it is a crazy environment over there. And I want to give props to the crowd today because I thought it was a a really good crowd. Sold out. And a lot of games are quote-unquote sold out or close Mm -hmm. to it. But it doesn't always feel like that. And I thought a lot of nations showed up today. Almost a full house from just from the looks of it. There may have been a few empty seats here and there. But there was not big pockets of seats where, where there was nobody. I mean... It was a loud environment today, and and I, you know, uh, Brad Underwood said they grew from this. I, I hope they, you know, will take something from this, and that's where it comes down to responding to some adversity. And look, they weren't going to go twenty and zero. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose four or five games, and and I think, and Matt Painter had said this afterwards too. What's it going to take? Is it fifteen and five, sixteen and four? I would put it now as Illinois seven games into the Big Ten season. I, I think sixteen games wins it. If Illinois could go sixteen and four, I think that hand yeah. down, hands down, wins you a, a title, maybe even outright. I think fifteen and five gets you at least a share. Yeah. So that's where I'm kind of pinning it at here on January seventeenth, and still a lot of ball game left. You know, with thirteen Big Ten games for for Illinois, but I, that's where I look at it holistically of of where this team is at, and and they're one of the top. I mean, we haven't seen Michigan State yet against Illinois. Michigan State plays Wisconsin. I would leave on Friday night. It's gonna be a fun one too. That's a that's a great matchup there as well. And Illinois heads to Maryland, and and you would hope that they could go take care of business there against the Terrapins. But overall, I think a lot of nations should feel pretty good about this one. All right, let's break down some of the specifics here. As Alfonso, go ahead. I was gonna say we are. About six, almost seven minutes in. How have we not talked about Andre Corbello Exactly. Yet? And that's, that's why I want to get to that. Because there was a big surprise before the game. Andre Corbello out in his uniform, cleared to play. And yet he makes a gigantic difference in this game. Doesn't lead all scorers. That's Alfonso Plummer with 24. Andre Corbello, though, only four behind with 20. He's the third leading scorer in the game. Sasha Stefanovic had 22. Uh, and there's Zach Eady with 20. Jaden Ivey with 19, but Curbelo with 20 points in 25 minutes uh, gets six rebounds. And the biggest stat for me in that, Andy, is he had no turnovers. Just the third time in his career, Andre Curbelo does not have a turnover in a game. And I thought he's the difference in this. Eight for 15 from the floor. Um, Man, he missed two months, essentially, almost two months to the day. November 23rd, the last time he was in a game. But he's a difference maker, man. And for all those people that talked about their better without under Cabello, just stop. Like, this guy can no make chance. a difference. He did force some things in that. But if you got a guy going 8 for 15 from the floor, dishing out 20 points, no turnovers, rebounding the ball, three, like, that's that's the kind of impact player that Illinois needed today. 
And a ton of credit to Andre Carbello because Brad Underwood said he's practiced twice. He's out of shape, horrifically out of shape, according to like, Underwood. It'd be like one of us going out oh, there. Oh, well, maybe not quite <laughs> like that. Uh, maybe if we had like both of our staminas together, could we could even get like half of that uh, of a high-level athlete like, like Andre Carbello. But he's only practiced twice. Underwood says he's horrifically out of shape. He had planned to play Carbello six to eight minutes, and he plays 25, Andy. A little bit different. Just a tad bit different. What's your biggest takeaway of what you saw from Andre Curbelo today? I, he's the reason why the game was so close. I think that if Andre Curbelo doesn't play, and it's sometimes it's not this simple just to do the math, how many points he had, and that's what I think they'd lose by. But I really think Illinois would have lost by 20 if Andre Curbelo's not out there playing. He made Man. such a big difference having that spark off the bench. And I'm going to use – I'll use spark to describe uh, – Ben Verdonk as well because he was that coming off the bench playing great defense but I mean Andre Curbelo it, it's the magic that we haven't seen it seems El like El Mago it's it's like we haven't seen that all year because even when he was playing earlier this year it wasn't it didn't really feel like Curbelo because there was it was so sloppy there were so many turnovers it's like ah you know he he really has to clean that up this has to be like one of the best I think the best performance we've ever seen from him and and it proves that you know, even though he may not have been practicing, what he was seeing, or at least this is what I take from it, what he was seeing from the bench is helping him now. And that's part of the maturing process. That's why freshmen from the beginning of their season to the end of their first season get so much better. Same thing with sophomores. Every day you're getting better in college basketball. And even though he wasn't practicing, he just looked so clean out there. And it's like every it's everything everyone could have wanted from Andre Curbelo and him being out there and him possibly being there for the rest of the season. Who knows what his role is going to be? Are they going to keep him on the bench to bring him off as the sixth man? Is he going to get back in the starting lineup? I really don't know. And I don't know what the best course of action is. And I think they'll figure that out in the coming weeks. And who knows, maybe there'll be injuries and he has to go to the starting lineup. But I just, I don't see how this game is as close as it is without him. And it, proves the point that Illinois becomes an elite one of the best in the country teams because of Andre Curbelo being in the lineup certainly a top 20 team in that I think you're right on with I don't think they're going to drop because they lost to Purdue in double overtime I just they're not going to drop in the rankings because of that uh, they don't go to overtime if they don't have him because he scored the yep. final two buckets and the final four points to get Illinois tied at the end of regulation so you know, look, he's a game maker. He's a, he's a difference maker, and I completely agree that they don't win this game without, or they don't get close to winning this game without him on the floor. And and a huge credit to Andre Curbelo for what he was able to do. What a cold last bucket he made, though, in, in regulation. He yeah. he takes it himself, drives the baseline, goes up and under the basket to flip it off the board over Edie. Oh, that was such a good basket. Yeah. I mean, and I had a good angle on it because I was there on the floor. Uh, watching it, but man, that was probably one of the 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 coolest baskets I've seen made all season, and and that's what Andre Curbelo does. At shooting from the outside is not his thing. He's gonna make magical passes, and he's gonna score at the rim in crazy, unexpected ways sometimes. And that is so so valuable, I think, for this Illinois team. Yeah, and he brings some defense at the point of attack for the Illini, and he traded bringing the ball up the court and kind of running mm -hmm. the offense with Trent Frazier a little bit. I think they ran some more ball screens today to try and get him some more space and, and create a little bit more with Curbelo and off that ball screen off the top. And so I think 
things are going to change, especially as he gets back into practice shape and, and is able to do some more things. Look, is he going to play 25 minutes here the next three or four games? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, you never know. How fast is he going to bounce back and, mm-hmm. and what he's able to bring to the court? But if Brad only wanted to play him, you know, five minutes essentially, five to ten, and now he's playing 25, like – and he looked gas. I will he say that. He was white afterwards. Man, how fast is he going to recover from this? Is he going to have any more symptoms? You know, he's only been cleared a couple of days ago. And, and Brad has said all along, it's based off of how he responds from a workout, how he responds from what he's being tested with in his recovery and physical therapy and all of that. And so we'll see. I don't know how that's going to play out going forward. But I do know that they're a lot better team with Andre Carbello on the court. And I, I want to give a lot of credit here to... Um, Alfonso Plummer, who I thought really struggled in the first half, and and Very the Illini, so. you know, just seemed to like go straight downhill after that technical foul yeah. on Omar Payne. Kofi gets a couple quickies, he's out of the game, and really Kofi got dominated early. I mean, Zach Eady was on a roll; he put up 14 points in the first half. I, I thought Eady was far and beyond exceeding Travion Williams. Yeah. Who struggled only had one field goal in his first six or seven, you know, and for uh Edie to come out and put up six of his seven shots in the first half, you know, fourteen points out of that, um, didn't make a big difference on the boards, but like he didn't need to because he was so dominant pushing Kofi Coburn around. And that's fourteen points in eleven minutes. Mm-hmm. And he he did fall off a little bit in the second half. I mean, he scores twenty points, so you know, he scores six points in the second half. But like, dude, that dude was dominant. He was far and and beyond Kofi in in the first half, and he he really frustrated Kofi. I thought it was like Kofi getting a taste of his own medicine exactly. a little bit because yeah. when you look at the difference between him and Kofi, it's like that famous Yao Ming and Shaquille O'Neal photo. It's like, man. They're, they don't come much bigger than that. And you'd you'd think that about Kofi, but it turns out that there's one even bigger than him. I mean, 7'4", he is ginormous. And, you know, that's when Kofi has to kind of develop his game a little bit because sometimes I believe that he relies a little too much on being the bigger guy and not enough on maybe the skills of being able to beat someone who is at the same size, certainly this bigger than you. Yeah, <laughs> So 100%. this is something that I hope Kofi takes in stride. and Because it's not the first time that it's happened. And Zach, they played last year, but Edie wasn't nearly as good or effective as he was this season. And that just goes to show how big of a difference being a freshman to a sophomore is, um, especially when you play a position like that. So... Kofi having to work on those skills and he showed flashes of that being able to it seemed like when he started driving downhill um, into the lane towards Edie is when he found more success but you're not going to be able to back that guy down and Kofi we know the the back down game is his bread and butter that's usually what he goes to so and that's on the coaches too to help Kofi realize that and then set him up in ways that he can succeed where he doesn't need to back down a defender like Edie, because you can go to Maryland and you can play the Nebraska's and they're not going to have a guy bigger than you, but for the teams that they want to play against and get late into March against, they're going to have guys that are that big and Kofi's going to have to find ways. And the coaching staff is going to have to find ways to have him be successful when he gets put in those matchups where there's a guy across from him that is just as big and just as powerful and just as dominant. Yeah. 
the game turned, Andy, at the 538 mark. Illinois is up 24-23 in the first half. Omar Payne gets the flagrant one foul for exchanging lunch plans with Travion <laughs> Williams. Travion Williams gets a foul, double text, plus the flagrant one for Omar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he came back in after the game after that. If he did, it was for a very, very short time. Mm-hmm. So 633, yeah. So he only played about 30 seconds after that um, foul and, and exchange. And 24 to 23, and then Purdue goes on a 17-0 run. It's 17 to 2. The only points for Illinois the rest of the first half, and, and it was a seven-plus minute stretch to begin with in that. But from that 538 stretch, they didn't have a field goal. They had two free throws to end the half, and that was it. Purdue took control of the game, go up 13 at one point, and then it's um, you know a, a double-digit lead at halftime. And credit Illinois for coming out into the second half and continuing to fight. But, like, dude, you can't do that. That completely yeah. changed the complexion of the game and gave the Boilermakers a ton of momentum heading into break. I think part of it, too, with Omar was just how well Ben was playing, that they didn't need to bring him in. Sure. And they were kind of in that um, that rotation of him and Kofi instead. But, man, that I, you're getting fired up, and I know that these teams both wanted to beat each other bad. And I think they both have respect for one another and what they do because they're, in my mind, very similar teams. Just one has uh, an extra Kofi in there instead of, <laughs> instead of just one of them. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a tough thing to, to have happen because you are fired up and sometimes the emotions can get the best of you. And it just proved that... You can't let that happen. And Brad Underwood, I'm sure, is going to let his guys know that because, you know, and I don't know what happened to the momentum that Illinois had after that because you think, all right, you lose the possession, but you got to keep playing. You got to get back out there. But they just couldn't get anything going on offense. It's like Purdue's defense had figured them out. And that's why, for me, the most important minutes that Curbelo played were in the second half because he was able to inject some of that spark and some of that magic and find some open shots for Illinois because they really just could not get out of the clamps that the Boilermakers had him in to for the final five minutes of the first half. No doubt about it. And I thought Illinois made some adjustments with Kofi picking up his yeah. two quick fouls uh, before the under-16 timeout. He, mm-hmm. he was already out of the game, and they just started shooting threes. And they started going in. So give credit to Illinois for that. After Alfonso Plummer goes just one for six in the first half, Overall, one for three, uh, finishes the game eight for 19. So, look, sh- shots started falling for him. Uh, a ton of credit to Alfonso, four for seven in the second half alone, and then you add in the overtimes, and and you get up to the number there of, of eight for 19. And it took him 19 shots to get 24 points, but he leads all scores with 24, including a big bucket there in the first overtime on the layup to get it to a second overtime and yeah. just give Illinois a chance. I felt like even when they had tied it up and take taken the lead there about 74-73, um, I believe it was, um, at the end of regulation, or I'm sorry, in the uh, in the overtime, they didn't have the lead, so Purdue was up and, yeah. until it was 69-69, uh, and you know, heading into that overtime, Illinois did not have the lead again until it was uh, that first overtime when they were able to they made the first shot to, to get the lead back, and yeah. so it's like, look, 
I thought Plummer was huge on that. It was that three to make it 72-71. And then they they were down again. So I felt like Illinois was playing catch-up really throughout the whole time there. Just to get it to the overtime, I felt like was a a win for Illinois in that sense. And then in the second overtime, Purdue just took over and and showed its dominance there. And they went up six or seven. And and the game was essentially over at that point. But uh, I give Illinois a lot of credit for that fight to be able to get there. And for Alfonso Plummer to come back and, and do the things he did. I thought Trent Frazier was steady once again. 7 for 16. 16 points for him. Uh, 6 assists. And and he's showing too to me, Andy, that he can distribute a little bit. That they can have uh, Andre at, at 1 and maybe keep him on the bench. Because he, they can just be back and forth. Exchanging roles as leading the offense and kind of the point man for the, for the offense. So I thought that was really impressive. But I think Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk is going to get a lot of credit for this game. Played 20 minutes. He only had four points. Minus five in the plus minus. The only guy in positive plus minus uh, for Illinois was Luke Goody, who just played five minutes in the game. But he did have a good three early on that I thought was, um, you know, positive for, mm-hmm. for the Illini early in the first half. And, and Brad said afterwards he thought he should have got uh, Luke a little bit more tick. Coleman Hawkins sick, has the flu, so that's why mm-hmm. you didn't see a lot of him uh, this afternoon. But... For the Bosmans, you know, one to three from the floor, but it's everything else he did yeah. that was really positive for this team. And his, I don't, it's not going to necessarily show in the stat sheet here. Exactly. Andy. His game is the game that he played today is not was not played for the stat sheet. The way that no, he was but able he didn't to, need to no. The way that he was able to not back down, but but just lock up both Travion Williams and Zach Eady because you, you said the 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 splits for, for Eady, he had 14 in that first half, only had six in the second, and Travion Williams ended up making some shots and, and getting some points going, but that's because Travion Williams is so good. They were tough shots that he had to make. Yeah. Benjamin did such a good job, and he to me, he was the most impressive player in a game where Andre Curbelo had his best game. You know, he... Verdonk just did everything right on the defensive end. He didn't back down to Edie or Williams. There were so many times where they threw it inside to one of those guys, and either Verdonk held him up and they had to pass it back outside, or he put hands up defense, made him take a tough shot, and they missed that tough shot. And that's exactly what he needed to do and be that gritty, gritty guy when you have someone like Coburn who is – sitting because he only has one foul left to give at that point. So, you know, big hats off to him. He was so, so, so good today. And if you didn't watch the game or you only watched parts, you need to go back and watch how he played because it's not going to show up in the statues. It's not going to show up in many of the highlights. It'll show up in my pack that airs at 6 o'clock. You can watch on (laughs) WCIA.com. But, man, he just played so, so well and was able to limit those big guys for Purdue as best he can because he can't stop them and you certainly right. did not stop him today but you limit their the their effectiveness and I think he did a great job of that yeah and I like how you said that he wasn't scared he didn't back down he no. went right after those guys yeah. and and Edie is a large human being uh, he's, he is you just look at him he's he's physically just imposing and that's saying something with Kofi who mm-hmm. you know is also just a large person he's almost got half a foot on Kofi yeah, he's got exactly. he's got four inches on exactly. Kofi think, I mean think about that crazy crazy uh, but I was super impressed with Ben. You know, he missed a layup sure. in the second half, which which was hurt. He didn't shoot a layup when he had an <laughs> open one and and passed out. It led to the three that gave uh, Illinois a, put put him right back into the game. So 
it, you needed it, that three to uh, tie it at the end of the first overtime. So if you I mean, didn't pass it out, yeah, exactly, they would have lost in overtime early. I, I know a lot of nation were scratching their heads at that, like, just shoot the layup. What are you doing? The, the sound that the crowd made when he yeah, passed the out moan. from the from because. So to describe the play in detail, Curbelo passes inside. This is the first overtime uh, to to Verdonk. And everyone gets excited. You hear the crowd come up because he's alone underneath the basket, goes outside to <laughs> Frazier. And then everyone's like, it's like a groan coming from yeah. the crowd all at once. But one more pass to Plummer, and then he makes it. And, that, and then everyone got excited. But for the for that millisecond in there where the crowd all groaned in unison, it was it was magic. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very funny, but ended up working out. Yeah. One of those moments, though, where you just – scratching your head everyone going, everyone in the arena doing? was scratching their head but it worked yeah and they were able to extend the game there and, and get it to that second overtime but we'll see what they can build off of that for as well as omar Payne played in nebraska today benjamin bossman's for donk um you know match that and for me andy it shows that they're just continuing to develop that depth and that's going to be key down the stretch when guys are in foul trouble or they're sick or they're hurt or whatever else that may be getting these key minutes from the role players um, certainly goes a long way, and and you mentioned it. You weren't going to beat Purdue it, down low. I mean, mm-hmm. Purdue is forty two twenty six in the plus or in the uh, points in the paint stat. Y- you know, you weren't going to beat them on that rebounds forty six thirty nine. So like you hung there. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think that's necessarily terrible. You know that you were minus seven on the boards overall to a team like Purdue, but in the end you ended up taking more shots, which I think is yeah, important in absolutely. that aspect. So if you're going to lose that, take more shots than the other team. Too. Yeah, hundred percent. And you've got to have something else go well, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not going to win the boards, you're not going to win points in the paint. You got to have something else, or you got to have um, guys step up that maybe you didn't expect. And and that was Benjamin Bossman's for Donk for me today. Now Omar Pan has to learn to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> And then they can mix and match those rotations a little bit more. And that's what I'm going to be looking forward to on Friday and then next Tuesday against Michigan State and another banger, you know, against the top team in the league. Mm-hmm. How does Brad Underwood mix these rotations going forward? How will he impart Andre Carbello, who I think will still come off the bench? Mm-hmm. I think that makes the most sense for me. But how will he get more minutes for Bosman's Verdonk if it's needed? Omar Payne. Uh, you know, and a guy like Luke Goody, who I think continues to do good things. And then if, if Coleman Hawkins is healthy, which he wasn't tonight by the sounds of it, uh, then I think he's deserving of some minutes there as well. So an interesting dynamic moving forward here. But all in all, Illinois now 13-4, and 6-1 and one in the Big Ten. Still half a game in first place yeah. in, in front. So even though they lose today, it's not like they uh, fall to second or third in the Big Ten. Still in control of their own destiny. And we'll see how it plays out going forward. I, for one, Andy, cannot wait for the rematch in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena in about three weeks. I think we it's both go be to that so one. Fun. Do we know who's going to that one yet? <laughs> I think we, I'm going to that one. We may uh, need to fight for it. I yeah, think. right. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's a fun atmosphere over there. I think these are going to be the top two teams in the Big Ten. Listen, I think Wisconsin's really good. Johnny Davis is having a, a yep. all Big Ten first team kind of season. I want to see if they can continue that as well. And then also Michigan State, I want to see what they can do. Uh, they're coming off a loss against Northwestern. So, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I feel really good uh, here today on January 17th that Illinois is going to be a top three team in the in the Big Ten. I think they've shown enough to yeah. this point to, to feel good about that. Yeah, and this was kind of their 
intro into that Big Ten title race because every team that you've played previously is not going to play a factor into it. The one you could argue the most is Michigan, but I think they're already kind of out of it with three losses in the Big Ten already. I mean, Purdue was the first one of the five in my mind, I think, because maybe you could argue Rutgers, but they're kind of a step below the under Ohio State in my mind and the power rankings that I'm doing. No, I think it's Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State. I think Ohio State might and, be. And Ohio State, I yeah. think, is close in there. That would be the yeah, fight for me exactly. at Ohio State. To get uh, to the top four, which would be the, the double buy into yeah, Friday. exactly. That's nope. where kind of my scale yeah. or factor is in so, that. What I'm saying is that, that Purdue was kind of their intro to that battle of 100%. those top five. Because everyone else previously yeah. really doesn't factor into that. And they performed really well. They didn't get the win. You know, you need to start to win the conference. You need to win those games against the best. And but this sets them up well for what I think they are capable of the rest of the year. If you ha- sure. keep having performances like that, clean some things up here and there. I mean, I think they'll be in good shape to be in a position to win those games against the other contenders in the league. Yeah, and I think a fair criticism, Andy, here as well is just the fact that they don't have a, a top marquee win yet over absolutely you know, a, a really really good team. You, you battle Arizona, who I think is a phenomenal team. They got some nice pieces, and, and you battle Purdue here, but they're still searching for that quote-unquote marquee win. I think yeah. Iowa is that. I think they're a solid program on the road. But I don't sit here today thinking like, oh, Illinois has like a, a top two-seed resume yet. Yeah. Uh, we're not to that point. They have to get some more wins here. But I do think they're solid, and I, I think they're going to be there at the end. So we'll see. It's still a lot more work to do. Uh, now you go on the road to Maryland, and you got to just take care of business in that game. It's always tough on the road. And and then you got to come home against the Michigan State team, and and that's another opportunity to try and win these games at home. And if you can win your games at home, then you're going to have a really good chance mm-hmm. to compete for a Big Ten title. We'll see how that all plays out. But that's going to do it here for the WCI Three in One podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the game. We will do it again Friday night after the Maryland game, six o'clock start on the East Coast. Andy Olson making the trip, woo, to College Park for the game. I can rent a car. I'm 25. Hey, how about that? We're we're moving up in the world here, Andy. (laughs) For Andy, I'm Brett. Thanks so much for listening to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast.